What's up, everybody? Jay Ping checking in. Respect my region and buddies brand here today on the North American Weed Tour podcast. We've got special guest Dave Warden. What's up, brother? How are you? What's up, brother? Thanks for having me. Man, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's an honor to have you. I, I told you before I ever got to California, man, before I ever moved here, you were someone that I was doing research on. I was like, God, this guy, I wish he were in Washington because we would have been friends up there. But since day since day zero of me being here, you are someone on LinkedIn that I searched and I found, and I was blessed to meet you in person. And I'm sure that nobody where we're from has any clue as to who you are. So please, <laughs> if you could, the man, the myth, the legend, man, introduce yourself and please let the people know who you are and what you do. Well, I'm Dave Warden. I'm an officer for Ascension Labs out of Oakland. Uh, I'm actually, but I've been in. Uh, professional cannabis for about 14 years. Started out in retail, uh, really high profile dispensaries, then moved to uh, brands, uh, created a few brands, then uh, kind of filled a whole bunch of different roles, companies that have um, filled all parts of the supply. So from cultivation to extraction, to branding to uh, retail sales and marketing. So been had some exposure to higher process here in California. So 14 years, retail, cultivation, extraction, uh, business to business, wholesaling. You are currently the chief revenue officer for Ascension Labs, Gold Drop. And what I'm told about Gold Drop is that they are the most winning cannabis, I'm sorry, the most awarded cannabis cup winning cannabis company in all of california in the in the oil space is that correct yeah it, in that well it's actually uh, the number we think the number of cups and stuff might transcend all categories but uh or wow. dabs and vape specifically um joe and Sonosa, our founder just went hard in competition in the prop 215 days and uh has swept categories uh he's swept you know so first second thirds at hempcon a chalice cup High Times, uh, Emerald Cup. He's just just uh, just a happy editor, really, really nice guy. Brings a really great energy to it. And got the extraction vape space very early. I used to compete against him, actually, when I was at Nameless Genetics, and, and he was doing Gold Drop. And uh, we had a lot of good major competition. But uh, dude is just on this tireless quest to make the world's best uh, extracts. And, and he works with a lot of great people, you know, like, uh, we're kind of trying to bring the collab culture back, you know, back yeah, in yeah. you'd get, you know, your best extractor and your best grower and they team up with a retailer and you'd have a three way collab and enter, enter that way. And we're trying to do more of that. Uh, right now this morning, I'm actually puffing on uh, a Nug Run Fig Farms collab. Yeah, look at that, man. That oil uh, is beautiful. Fig Farms is, is, you know, super hype, especially up in the Bay, uh, known for super bomb weed. And um, we've done collabs with uh, Lemon Tree, Compound uh, Genetics, we're, we're working on one, uh, State Flower. So really just trying to bring back that legacy um, fun. You know, the, the industry's gotten really competitive and uh, possibly a little less fun than it used to be. And we're trying to like, weed is dope. Concentrates are fucking dope. You know, we're just yeah. trying to get hyped about it again and sort of bring back the fun for the operators and stuff. Um, the great thing about collabs is is you really just get two or three people that are really good at what they do and just go for it. You know, it's let's see what happens, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a great, 
reason to team up with people and 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 be excited about stuff so we're just trying to bring that vibe back and you know i mean i really appreciate the work you guys are doing at respect my region um you know with the music and the culture and all that stuff it's like we got lost in the sauce on the business part spreadsheets and business plans and all that stuff and like it's supposed to be fun and sometimes we forget that and so like for all the work doing, uh, I, appreciate, I appreciate that brother you know for real it means it means a lot you know we we don't come from selling weed in the trap like that the majority of our team we don't come, i mean my business partner did a little of that you know and, and he, you can look into his background and talk with him about those things but the majority of us don't come from that we come from man standing outside of concerts standing out at a concert and being like man i don't want to drink I, i'm tired of hurting myself i'm tired of poisoning myself right we wanted to to really encourage and bridge the gap and out of all these people in California that that I've met, Dave, there's not another human out here that is. Now obviously, we're a little bit of an age difference, but like, there ain't another person up here that I truly look at that's like, you know what? This guy would sacrifice a lot of his own personal well-being for the betterment of the industry. Now, would you do that every day of every second? Probably not. Until you know, you're not going to go sit here and be homeless for the sake of the industry, but. I have seen you put the team on your back for multiple teams. I've seen you ride and grind and sacrifice the well-being of your personal name, of your brand to see a project through because that's what you're about. And I just want to, you know, kind of like, you know, Kendrick, top of the morning until you tip my hat off because a lot of people are quitters, bro. A lot of people are quitters when the going gets tough. Not only do they not have the acumen to see pro to problem solve and to get things through it, but they really don't have the heart. And I just want to say out of everybody I've met in California, you are one of the people that inspires me. I wake up, I look at LinkedIn, I see your stuff. It inspires me to go. I wake up, I see your commentary. It gets my brain thinking left. It gets my brain thinking right in a whole different way. And um, everybody watching this man, Dave Ward, you guys need to add him on LinkedIn. You all need to follow him. You guys need to tap him with extension. We're just getting started on this interview, man. It's an honor to have you here today, Dave. You, you, you're talking a little bit about these collaborations and bringing cannabis, the fun back to cannabis. Can you elaborate a little bit on who Extension partners with, who Gold Drop partners with and why? What kinds of people, what kinds of companies are you really looking for? You know, uh, a lot of it's relationship based. So it's like basically people that you, you look at and you're like, hey, you know what you're doing right now is fire. Like, dank, you know, really, look, you know, when you're looking at a cultivator, somebody who's doing really just, you know, new strength or doing classic and, you know, just really getting back into the fire of it. You know, it's it's so easy to get caught up in the business model part of it. Where really like with these collabs, it's not really super profitable for anybody. It's more just about like, how do we, how do we get hype going in a cool way where it's fire and everyone involved can be like, God damn, that's bank. like like that is amazingly fire. That is super, yeah, you know, and so that's really what that is is basically going to people that where you respect their work, and when they agree to do a collab with you, that's, that's a huge compliment. That they'll you know like Fig Farms that they'll let us take their flower and go and create something special. They trust us to carry it across the finish. You know, because they've grown this amazing flower, they have the plant material. We create a, a product and some packaging to go around, get it out there uh, for the people. So it's like really just kind of like 
what's hype? What are the streets saying? You know what I mean? What are the legacy like, like folks? What do they think is is the best right now? Yeah, that you know what I mean. And, and it kind of keeps you sharp. You keep chasing. Like, hey, can this be more fire? Can this be danker? Can yeah. Like, like, what's what's the least efficient thing we could do? Let's try that. You know what I mean? And and, and yeah. these models too, because they're kind of like little one-offs. They aren't like the core of your business. It's it's more like a boutiquey little thing. You don't you don't really have to be obsessed with the metrics financially. You're like, okay, if we if we could just get this done and see what's fire, if we make money or not, that's not really the thing. What this is, you know, this is an exploration. How how good can we get it? And it, it just yeah. it, it kind of takes the pressure off in a way because you could just swing for the fences. You know what well, I do mean? You, do you feel do you feel that that's really only possible though? Like for example, so my question comes from context. Right. So when you're in one of the most awarded brands, you've got a brand, you've got a level that people come to expect. Do you feel that you can really only take these kind of gambles when you have a brand foundation? It, it definitely, you know what, it's, that's a really, that's a really good question. Uh, cause it, it's kind of, it's almost kind of circular. Cause it's like, because you have the brand, you almost have to take those risks. You know what I mean? You almost have to keep going and get, you can't just like win once. You got to kind of put yourself out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's something Joe and his team have done great over the years. And um, he's just such a, a friendly dude and a nice guy that it's almost like it's not competition. It's almost like exhibition. You know what I mean? It, it's going on. Hey, here's what we do. What can you guys do? Let's, let's throw all these things out there and see what people like the best. And if, if you and a group of people that you're kind of competing with, if everyone's trying to put out fire and the dankest product possible, anybody wins because everybody gets to try like this bomb stuff. And, and yeah. it's, you know, we at Ascension, we tell people it's like we build race cars. You know, Toyota makes production cars, but we would take that car and soup it up, you yeah. know. So it's hardware, like, oil, yeah. SOPs, whatever we could do. Yeah. Yeah. To tweak it and make it more gnarly. Uh, so we want to go after that competition grade thing. And that's sort of the niche. And that's where the brand has sort of found its way. And I don't know necessarily that it was by design or just by, <laughs> you know what I mean? That like, oh, wow, we won all these awards before I showed up. They weren't even really keeping track of that stuff. And I had to kind of point it out because I was always competing against them and we could never catch up with cold drop, you know what I mean? They entered so many competitions and they were always representing and they were always there. And uh, we did really well at Nameless, but we could never catch up with gold drop. So I think just kind of once you get momentum and once you get a comfort level and that's sort of your identity, you just sort of go. But yeah. the, the brand is, is just has a lot of goodwill in the space because of the collabs and because we're always seeking what's fire. And um, you can team up with people who should technically be your competition, but it, it just with with this brand, what the great thing about it is people trust that we're going to go for something great. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's willing to work with us, and, and and it's been it's been really <clears throat> being on the outside of it, you know, competing against this brand, and then being on the inside of it and being like, oh wow, this is exactly what I expected. This is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because nameless, I mean, the teams that you were on prior to this were no one to scoff at. No, Shervinsky's, Canis, uh, correct? Right. What? You were with with a you were with a lab for yeah. a period of time as well. Right when they were were blowing up, I was I was doing some marketing support for them, and and no, I've been I've been really lucky to kind of um, just sort of 
end up places where it's like industry leaders um and i i get to sort of work on the cutting edge on the bleeding edge you know what i yeah. mean like uh and, well, and, and you're kind of doing that now too you know with, with with buddies and stuff and some of the products you guys are making some of the products we're making are kind of new and advanced and and i you know having the opportunity to sort of present those and bring those out um yeah. is great and i think i just i love weed so much and just like you that when i <laughs> when i bring products out and it, it's people see how excited i get i'm like you know look at this thing this thing is so fire oh my god let's talk about this and you know i get excited and I, i'm legitimately excited and i think that excitement and that sort of like um juvenile joy and innocence about it is is sort of kind of what's kept me engaged in the game and also kind of kept me effective as a as a brand promoter and a salesperson really juvenile joy i hey, joy. the yeah. authentic the, i call it the authentic amplification baby come on yeah. man Yep. The juvenile joy, because it's like if, if you got a weed product and it still brings you. Remember, we always say hello. People say this, bro. I wish weed would hit me like it used to hit me. I wish the weed smacked me the way it hit me that first time. I wish I could get high like those first couple times I smoked. Right. How many times have we heard people say that over the oh, years? Yeah. Right. The reality is great product can bring bits and pieces of that back. Sure. Yeah, you can get a. So, yeah. yeah certain terpene profiles can really bring back that psychological experience that chemical reaction in your brain yeah. and gold drop extension when you are working with good flour in good oil is going to come out and when you're used to building race cars all that flour and all that oil is consistently going to be at a higher level tier of quality yeah and and you guys, Dave, you know, I remember I remember going back to the first batch of flour you guys gave me at Trebinsky's. Remember the first uh, event that I physically saw you at with the cannies, right? Sure, and sure. and I remember just looking around and being like, you know what, this is really what it's like when you surround yourself with the true top tier, right? Now, people always go in and out, right? Companies go in and out, right? Extension and Gold Labs, they weren't even Prop 64 until the last year, right? right. Yeah. So, so that's that is the ebbs and flows of the nature of this industry. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah, you pop in and out, and and I think in anything, in in, in any endeavor in life, you know, you're gonna cycle. You're gonna hit the top, and then take a step back and regroup, and take another run at it, and then top and hit the. And, uh, with the cannabis industry in California, like it's been really hard for for legacy consumers. Fine, like you're saying. Higher, that, that reminds me of how dank everything can be. And, uh, it's hard, honestly, from a business perspective to do things at scale where you can supply a large amount of consumers and keep the quality up. Uh, where we cultivation part of it, particularly, it's really hard to grow flower in a football field size room. You know, like what the, the, the weed like we came up with was grown in bedrooms and garages and very small cold environments, you know. And it's been hard for people to fill that to a giant operation where you can grow enough to make enough money for your staff and yourself. Um, and I think people are starting to figure it out. And so, you know, fire, like you said, the fire in fire, like getting better weed, we have access to better flour now, I think as consumers, and the prices are really gonna start coming down too. You know, that's oh, yeah. a really big obstacle to get people out of the black market. They can get bomber weed cheaper black market you know and get the the weed bomber and the weed cheaper on the side 
hopefully be able to draw some of those people back into the legal market so that we can kind of try and do some more mainstream like promotions and events and yeah and, and people like kind of the way i think envisioned it like hey it'll be legal we could do all these things out in the open and so hopefully calm enough again that, that we can draw everyone back in you know i think i think and you know to that point right patient access comes with more taxes patient access comes with more costs to these businesses there are ugly sides to this industry even though there is a lot of good coming from it right sure. i know i know if you being here for 15 years in the industry you've had to have seen a lot man you've had to have been through a lot in the retail no no metric no tagging none of the, the the shit that people hate here the most you know where we come from too it's all, i always like to i always like to bring this up to, uh, to people when i talk about california where we come from in washington we had day one tags and like our rec industry 2015 it was day one you couldn't you know we had the same issues the supply chain at first 75 dollar aids and crazy tag you know whatever the crazy tax situation was on day one they they went and rewrote it I, I cannot wait for the day that California just, oh. you know, finally unites and decides what version of recreational y'all really want to get behind. Because yeah. NorCal wants the old way, SoCal wants the old way, <laughs> but the middle of the state who doesn't really have access to cannabis like that, they don't have delivery everywhere. They don't have safe, compliant, legal lab tested for patients, making sure we're not gonna get sick during this crazy COVID shit or whatever. Like we need safe, compliant weed these days. Yeah, I, I, the, the, the learning curve has definitely been from an industrial standpoint. Uh, it's really, really hard uh, to, to run a, a camp in California. And I like, well, with the, the tax burden, the way it is, it's really, really difficult to do it. You know, I can't, I can't do my own shop. Not about corporate and huge budgets and all this. Like, I would love to open my own industry and just go mom and pop with it and deal with the consumer straight up. But, like, the, right, set up a corporation. And, and a lot of the things people in social equity and stuff like that are being completely bungled. They aren't actually really helping get access to you know so that they can participate in the industry it's yeah good. it's really not working that's unfortunate but because it, it, it's hard back in the day we come up with a brand print out some labels and have that brand on shelf in a store by the afternoon we did it all the time and we would just experiment and say hey will people buy this hey let's put this oil and this weed together let's let's create this product let's see how people respond to it and we were able to just throw it out there and see how people responded. And it was it was much faster to sort of bring a product to market or a brand to market. You know what I mean? Now the the arc of getting that done is is much longer. Um, and by the time you get your product together and compliant and through the supply chain, that trend may have passed. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. know, this week, this one kind of product could be hot, but it takes you six months to get it out. But get it out, everyone's already done it and no one cares anymore. Um, yeah. So that's, I, I would love for us to be able to get back to that, where sort of like a lower stake experimental, you know what I mean? Where we can try get these products out faster, get people you know, smaller batches, more craft, more gourmet, 
and have that be an effective business model. Because right now you got to go big to support yourself and your staff. You know. Yeah, there's there's a there's an entire small business uh, personalization aspect to it, customization that is being missed in this industry. I mean, even you go to a restaurant, they can make your burger different than what's on the menu, but you won't. You really can't do that right now uh, by going into a dispensary. Now, obviously, people are going to be like, "Oh, restaurants versus dispensaries. Why do you need to do that? Why do you guys always got to get all get so crazy with it? This is just buying and selling weed, yo." I can go right now to any mall in America and customize damn near anything. And the malls are the worst retail experiences in the world. So come on. I'm just trying to shop how I normally shop. I'm just trying to go hang out with Dave in Sherman Oaks or in the Valley or in LA and just go, go be how we normally are. I want to be able to go ask for this or ask for some organic something, right? We can't even get some simple things like that right now. So, yeah, and and, and, I, and it's a big it's it's a big challenge. I mean, additionally, like there aren't enough retailers in California. You know, so many cities have, have kept bans on on uh, dispensaries, and like there's not enough retailers, so there's not enough access, and and that's a part of the problem too. There's limited shelf space, so like you can't really your retail partners aren't really down to experiment either. You know, they they they've got an, a limited amount of shelf space. They want products that are kind of designed to appeal to the largest group of people, potential consumers. So that, yeah. that sort of boutique thing we're talking about where we're going after like a niche or a very specific head, you know, um, really hard to launch that stuff, you know, really hard to get like some of the, just the more finite products, you know what I mean? Like doing rosin at scale, doing solventless stuff. Um, you know, only certain retailers can do it because only certain retailers have access to that kind of consumer. And have cultivated that following you know what i mean yeah so you know obviously guys like you and me would love to see more solventless stuff in the marketplace and, and, and love to see a wider variety of products and, and some you know once again some experimentation i wish it just wasn't so risky so hopefully like the regulations get reformed the taxes get lowered and it makes more room for like new blood new innovation and also let's let's the established people experiment and feel like there's less risk when they want to try new things you know yeah yeah absolutely i, I couldn't agree more on that one and i think this goes out to hope, hopefully all the viewers out there get up register to vote get out there and make a difference it doesn't always have to be about the president or politics sometimes you just got to do what's right in terms of this cannabis shit. and so like this this is one of those things where we does help people it's undeniably helping people if you're if, if you're not willing to try something new or go you know try it with you know listen to another human telling you that it works for us like all i can do right now is just ask for it so uh dave the next question, couple questions i have for you are uh, primarily going to be about some of your favorite brands favorite products not just in this rep world you've been in the game you're an og you're a you're a double og socal you've been smoking i remember people telling me before you and i really got to hang out a lot that like man joe you review weed you got to meet dave this guy he's been reviewing weed online you told me about it i was like okay cool so i saw one of your old videos talk to me about some of those old brands the best of the best strains flowers anything you can remember looking back over the, the years prior to prop 64. you know i i really miss a brand called kushko they're still around they're much smaller but the kushko og you know, SoCal was all OG Kush. You know what I mean? We, we that's all anyone wanted to grow was the uh, Josh D. Kite, you know, and all these guys went to high school together. 
And then when the cut came out, they all shared cut and, and, and some amazing brands were born out of that, you know? And so I sort of missed that. That was having access to just the craziest dad OG all the time. Kushko was great human beings. Um, you know, like putting out such, such crazy, crazy OG Kush. Um, and so they're, they're in Nevada now. They are still in California, but I miss, I miss that. Um, you know, right brands like right now that I really like, um, I really love what, uh, Midzotics is doing. Are you familiar with it? God, those guys are great at marketing. They're, they talk about having fun with it. Uh, they, do, <laughs> they take the piss out of themselves. And the weed, I haven't tried the weed yet, but it looks, it looks really good. Uh, but I love their whole, their whole angle is to take the piss out of all the hype stuff I've done. And I, I freaking love it, dude. Like, like I love that they just, even their name, Midzotics. It's yeah. just, just take the wind out of the sails of the entire exotics movement. You know, like when we do these, these hype brands, we can get so serious about it. Like we're the best, this is the fire. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> They got riff raff rapping. They got explosions of fire. They have a a, a, a Geo Metro with Lamborghini doors on it. That is fucking awesome. Yes. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, I could not agree more. Yeah, I actually got in trouble with uh, a group I was working with because I posted on LinkedIn. This is the best brand that's ever existed in cannabis, and they're like, "We thought we were the best brand, bro. We're paying you. You work for us." And I was like, well, "Dude, this is pretty awesome." Right. You know, uh, but like, I definitely miss the, the, the little angry little ice wax people, like the really small hype, crazy angry. You know what I mean? Some of the people were were very cool. Some were super dysfunctional, but they made fire ice wax. You know, yeah. and we would sell insanely expensive ice wax, and, and and barely anyone bought it except for the growers. Uh, people would come in drop off a duffel bag full of weed, I'd give them cash, and they would literally take some of that cash and be like, what's the most expensive concentrate you got here? And so we sold all of that stuff mostly to growers, and that sort of um, heady enclave, there was a lot of really limited stuff that you could, you know, uh, the, Matt Rise was a very divisive character. You know, we carried a lot of Matt Rise, we carried some moonshine melts, we carried some Cuban grower, uh, we carried all that stuff. And so I miss, I miss that, you know what I mean? Just to obnoxiously hype over the top um micro extracts like those brands were great you know brands that i i really like now that i think are just great at branding and in the space i think you know i think old pal's an amazing concept i mean i you know that's super economy flower not something i normally mess with but just the feel the look of it and how how much success they've had i really appreciate i love jeter's yeah. um, they those guys spend money on marketing and they do it really stylishly you know what i mean and, and and they've seen the results from it you know like that's just a from a brand angle those guys have created something that's that's super polished yet still feels organic and, and fun you know um and so they've murdered the game and right now it's just kind of seeing like kind of you kind of touched on it but it's 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 a shame it's kind of a survival game you know who's going to survive and we're going to lose a lot of cool intellectual property along the way of people that like were able to do a cool brand were able to do a cool, cool product and just couldn't make it through all the various hurdles you know it, it's just like there's so many like regional restrictions and i know people who've gone out of business waiting for a fire inspection you know waiting for their local permit 
wait, you're spending money this whole time and it gets delayed and then COVID happened and all these things. And just when you think you've got it figured out, then the world ends again. You know what I mean? So right now it's kind of just like, I'm, I'm in a really lucky spot because, you know, we've got Gold Drop, but Ascension supplies products to other brands, to really high-end brands. And, and, and being able to participate with that is really nice because you get to root for all these other people and you feel like yeah. you're on the team too. Your know? success becomes a little oh, bit of your success. It's awesome. Yeah. And, and yeah. that way, you know, you're out and you're just like so happy when your clients succeed because you feel like you won too you know what i mean like you feel like 100%. you're part of it and so that's that's been really cool being able to touch people that you you know feel contribute <coughs> other brands and contribute to their success that is very cool and it, i i tell people if you are a manufacturer uh make stuff for other people too your own brand super important but but helping others to succeed is super fulfilling you yeah, know uh, i agree I recently, I recently connected with someone um, who's very successful in the space, works with a lot of high-end brands, high-end artists, someone that is the music cannabis crossover, you know, similar. And he said something to me uh, about the power of working with other teams and how that ultimately is what changed his life. Trying to do it by himself or with his own people for so long before, you know, before ultimately realizing that the power of working with the other good teams that were out there really uh cracked the code and sped things up and saw greater success and people were talking more and just things people were watching more and so that's just one of the reasons why dave that we wanted to do the north american weed tour was for free we're doing 80 podcasts right 80 of them we've never even gone this hard at anything like that before and we feel like getting people on the conversation is the same way of like man who who could if, if you're the industry expert and you've been in the game 15 years you can talk about the quality of before the quality now you all you mentioned earlier people show all these farmers showing up and just selling you weed out of their cars you know but that's something like people you guys got to realize people used to really drive around in la and pull weed out of their trunks pull weed out of their nice vans sometimes if they had money and treated it serious or maybe they just pull it out of their like buick or whatever they drove Toyota, and they'd flip you a pack, and they'd flip oh, you, or they'd pull out the big, the big bins you all see at Big Lots and Walmart. You know the snap, the black and yellows, right? Oh yeah. And uh, that literally used to be, and in some cases still is, how weed is sold a lot of the times. Oh, and yeah. and Dave, so I'd like, I, I'd love it if you would would wouldn't help uh, if you wouldn't mind helping here to to kind of educate the people on what does the buying and selling of weed look like in 2021 you know it's right now there's a scramble there's about to be too much power on the market everyone's paranoid right but if you're like a white label brand like say you buy other people's weed and put it in your jar or your bag basically you work with a series of distributors that have bulk weed you know they have showroom a lot of them have a showroom you go to and uh, some of them are quite nice some of them are just a room with a shelf and uh you basically go through and and literally look strain by strain and compare the prices compare the look try and figure out what's going to work for that particular brand you're shopping for that day um so down in socal so um you know, depending on what kind of flower it is, it depends on where, where it sort of comes from. Like a lot of the indoor comes from Sacramento. 
they got a lot of the big indoor growth. So they'll bring that down, put it in the showroom. Uh, and then when you find a farm you like, you start ordering direct. You're like, wait, what's this? Where did this come from? Okay, how do I lock this down? How do I get this, this flow? You know, like, works for that. Um, and if, you know, a lot of the stuff that we're seeing in LA coming out of the Central Coast. So we're Santa Barbara, uh, which they call it Canna Barbara County because they gave out so many cultivation licenses. Um, uh, yeah. But the, all this, all these farms have come online. Some of them are huge, massive new grows. They're still being open. And there aren't enough retailers to sell all this weed. So, so no matter what you've got, your price is going to be lower because there's everyone's got so much choices and there's so much bulk. And if you're going for your own brand, your own brand can usually only take so much and you have to sell. And right now we're seeing pound prices drop crazy low. So we're talking about like two pound pre-tax uh, for deep smokable weed. Uh, these huge, huge greenhouses and nurseries. And I mean, they're just boggles. I know I've heard that raw gardens, uh main, main stuff is central coast santa barbara coast all up and down there i know glasshouse farms is out there those are two of the biggest in the state and it, it blows like, your mind when you go to these facilities like you know i there's a a grow in los alamos i used to go to where you could stand under the canopy and you couldn't see the other end it was so far like you knew we walked one time by a tractor we walked <laughs> the end, and i knew there was a tractor sitting right there and I couldn't see it. And I was like, this is absolutely insane. And I hope I never get used to it because I love walking into a huge field of weed, you know, in yeah. or wherever. I, it's so novel and it's so just epic. Uh, unfortunately, you know, that's going to, fortunately for the consumer, unfortunately for the brands, there, there's going to be too much flour and we don't know what's going to happen with it. So right, we're already seeing people selling flour for less than they cost them to grow it for. And that's obviously not sustainable. Um, and just because there's no place to sell it, there aren't enough retailers. And uh, because there's so much being grown, there's a lot of anxiety right now in the California industry. Like if these prices drop lower, how many people are gonna go out of business? You know, the smaller farms up in Humboldt and stuff that they finally just converted. To the <laughs> They've been selling- yeah, they just made it. We're on the this <laughs> other side of COVID, right? We're on this new, this better half supposedly, right? They showed up to the party, the legal party, and like, okay, we're ready to do this legally. We're ready to pay tax. We're ready to do stuff. And the market fell out right from under it. So there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of fear that some of these smaller growers, no matter what kind of flower they grow, whether they grow economy or craft or whatever, aren't going to be able to survive because the price is going to get too low that they can't, you know, these bigger corporations, they have funding to support them, but they can also do things at a scale where if they can just make a few bucks on a pound, they're making so much, you know, they're growing so much that they can still technically survive. Whereas these smaller farms, we're not sure what's going to happen. And, and yeah. kind of, you know, it's going to affect the whole industry. But right today, this minute, there's a lot of anxiety because every year, Croptober, you know, October, November, the price of flour drops. But this year, the price of flour already dropped. And usually there's a drought in the summer, not this summer. There's weed everywhere. So yeah. we've seen this dynamic before. And um, there's still a lot of a lot of illegal cultivation going on. They keep busting them, but they keep popping up like mega illegal grows. They're yeah. bigger than did any. You, did you see that video, the viral video of the uh, the garbage truck getting crossing through an intersection in downtown LA again? 
and because someone ran a classic LA red, someone ran a red light, and then garbage truck missed, you know, missed them, right? Uh, clipped a clipped a building, ran through the corner of a building, and the, the whole thing is just glowing. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. You know, and and, and uh, it was, you know, hopefully, you know, they had another grow going because they certainly lost that one. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so it's it's a really weird time right now. There's a lot of anxiety. Uh, people, you know, uh, you know, in, in our in the oil section, we deal with biomass. You know, so your fresh, frozen, or your cured product, yep. and people are trying to dump as much flour as possible, as much trim as possible, to get it out at the price today, because the, literally the price tomorrow, Monday, is going to be lower, and so everyone's just trying to dump it right now so everyone's going in and dumping it to compete they're lowering prices and everyone just keeps lowering and lowering and lowering so it, it's 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 a little frantic right now we don't know where it's going to go you know what i mean but these classic market dynamics of oversupply yeah and, and, this and, is what this is to anybody that's interested in what's about to happen you guys just need to look up north you need to look up at washington and oregon because it already happened Right. It happened up there first. It happened up there years ago. Happened up there. The floor, the, the pricing, all that shit already dropped out. There is too many dispensaries. They're still opening them in Oregon. The problem there is there's not enough people. Right. It's the same kind of problem. Now you've got Washington. The, they literally some some months you cannot find flour. Sometimes there is so much goddamn shit available that it just causes it to dip even further than it's ever dipped before. And so. Right now, California, look up to your neighbors at the north because that's, you know, what you have said throughout this video is what's going to happen. What we know will happen is people will not end up being legal businesses anymore because of what's happening. And ultimately, it's because the barrier to entries and the cost to survive are too high. And now the price, which is established by the market, is not the same as what it was when the rules were written. Yeah, and, and sort of like, you know, there's days where I'm, everyone hates the weed, man. You know, every, mm -hmm. every local government, every state, you know, all the state, they, the taxes are crazy high. The fees are insane. Mm -hmm. And the idea that you're growing money, literally it's a money tree. But with the expenses and, and, and how and all the, like, it's just true. And sort of like what we were willing to accept um just to get it like okay we'll get it across the line yeah whatever you want like we just want it to be legal you know what i mean just just get it across and we accept regulations and taxes and stuff like that as voters and we kind of didn't really realize that we we took on too much as far as like there just wasn't you know there's no meat left on the yeah and we've made this environment where there's large corporations now that aren't even planning money for the next three four years they're just going to wait till everyone dies um, and, and they're going to do their thing and they're going to come in and pick up these assets, these stressed assets from people going out of business on the dollar. And that's how they're going to There's a couple groups on the Central Coast that are waiting for the rest of us to go out of business. You know what I mean? Because they're just like, understand the dynamics. They're willing to saturate the market. So there's some people who are intentionally overgrowing and oversupplying and, and cutting their prices to bleed the rest of um, And we'll see how they're going to be you know yeah i mean the the companies that are growing that it's certainly not the best cannabis out there in the market in terms of oh, quality no, no. it may be decent at that price it may be competitive at that price 
but it is certainly not what is going to be covering the menus for the majority of what's out there. Now, um, <clears throat> now Dave, you guys over there at Extension and Gold Drop, you guys offer a variety of products. The first time we connected about Gold Drop and Extension, you guys gave me a box of, oh my gosh, it, 18 items. I think they were all different. So can you, you don't have to walk me through every single item, but if you want to, what are all the different types of concentrates currently being offered by Gold Drop? You know, I mean, it's all the, all the, 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 the only thing we don't ever mess with is distillate. We, we, that we gave that equipment away. Joe was actually one of the leaders in the distillate space, but distillates, you know, that's the old stuff. No one wants, mm -hmm. uh, that's not part of heady culture. So everything else, uh, pretty much we don't, we don't do solventless. We, we, we're focusing on hydrocarbon extraction, like at scale, at volume, that really is the future. So your traditional dabs, your batter. Mm -hmm your butters, your crumbles, um, sauces, a lot of sauces, a lot of high terpene extract based stuff, uh, diamonds, liquid diamonds, um, you know, uh, THCA, we have a, we do a lot yep. of THCA and just everything that's sort of based around ultra pure plant essence, you know? Uh, so for the gold drop line, we do vapes and dabs, of course, and we've got, you know, a, a premium, like a live resin, uh themed line we're doing nug run stuff not many people are doing nug run uh it's too expensive to buy a, a pound of smokable flour and blast that but once again we're for us it's really about the quest for excellence yeah all to do that um uh, the vapes um one of a lot of awards for the vapes this is a can you hold it up a little closer for us Ooh, look at that color, everybody. There we go. Hey, that's a dab in a card if I've ever yeah, seen one. Yeah, so this one, and, and what kind of we do with our battery has a sesh mode that's super low temp, sort of that waste it to taste it vibe. So yeah. what we put on the sesh mode, lowest possible power, and just so we can get the terps unbruised, you know. Um, a lot of carts are a little too hot, and it bruises your terps. And it's all about the terps, you know what I mean? Um, getting that flavor and getting that sort of pure flower experience, mm -hmm. um, something that we've been working on uh, for a long time. You know, Joe's been making carts since 2014. He was the first person to put uh, cannabis terpenes into a cart. Before that, it was only botanical terpenes, which is, you know, stuff made from fruit and plants that are non-cannabis. That's how we flavored everything. And he was the first person to do that. So he's kind of been, on this cutting edge of sort of terpene-centric extraction uh, for a very long time. And, and, and really what kind of with our process and the way we do things, everything is based around the terpenes because the, the cannabinoids themselves are rather robust. You know, it's like a polymer, you know, it's a okay. uh, with the terps is the secret sauce. And you want to just, you want to preserve those and protect those and as much as possible, keep them away from heat and keep them away from oxidation. And, and so that's sort of like the theme of our line, dabs and vapes, is definitely terpene focused. And, and you know, a lot of premium brands right there have the same philosophy that because that's, you're trying to deliver that flower experience. And, and it allows you to literally concentrate the flavors and the power yeah. of the plant. And so like we, we, a lot of people in the vape space kind of just vape because it's convenient. You know what I yeah. mean? Vape anywhere, you can get away with it. And it's really just about giving them a buzz. But if you can give them a loud, 
terpy flavorful as well then the vape thing can actually become a destination as opposed to just a convenience thing like i'm excited Correct. It's it's the growth of a customer. A lot of people, a lot of retailers, they're okay with customers coming in and just buying whatever they buy. And that's okay, but it's not because right. those are the businesses that are going to just kind of be hanging out. And then eventually they're going to get squeezed and bought because someone will come in with a data-driven traditional retail with some science approach uh, in the end of the day, like 10 to 15 years, seven years, whatever it's going to be. It's already happened in the other states that have been doing this for 10 years. It's going to happen everywhere, no matter what, because the other retailers, they, they do what they do. They have more money. They're already funded. These big, big companies. Yeah. So, um, so Dave, so you guys, you guys basically do everything except for distillate. Now, can you walk us through, you know, I while I have different experts on the podcast, can you walk us through live resin, live rosin, some of these different, some of the, the most commonly confused types of extracts and, and just a couple of the key differences? Well, I, you know, live resin, basically, you're, you're taking, you're cutting down a, a fresh plant. <clears throat> you know, you're getting some fresh growth. Yeah. So you, yeah. yeah. you don't want that. Once it is dead, you're trying to lock in as many components that were alive and, and literally freeze them in time. Uh, yeah. And then you extract that hydrocarbon extraction, which is, you know, uh, butane, propane, stuff like that. Um, you're trying to get that fresh essence out of it. So with your with your uh, fresh rosin, you know, that's that's a heat and pressure extraction. So you're literally yeah. a fresh cut, fresh cut plant and you're squeezing it with some heat and pressure to get that fresh, lovely sap out. Yeah. So, you know, and then obviously there's there's people who are doing still doing, you know, traditional water hash. Not as popular these days. It used to be a huge segment of the market. Water and ice. Yeah. To break the trikes off of that and 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 run it through, you know. Um, so really it's like you've got your fresh market, which which a lot of people perceive as oh, fresh frozen or fresh rosin is the best way to do it. I personally prefer cured resin. So cured resin would come from dried trim or dried flour. Mm -hmm. I because with fresh frozen, often what you're doing is cutting it down early because they're trying to get an additional harvest in every year, you know? So if you're stuck at four or five harvests a year and you're cutting it down a few weeks early, it keeps the tri it keeps the, the concentrates really bright and pretty, but it doesn't give them a full expression of the terpenes. So when you let the yeah. plant grow full term, let it grow to its full potential, and then you cure it, I feel that those terpenes are better. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's, it's a full expression. And yeah. I'll dried it out and you've cured it and you've let it evolve. You know, yep, yep. smoke wet flour, you smoke cured flour, you know, and a lot of those expressions of flavor come out as the moisture leaves the plant, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so really right now, I, uh, you know, live resin and live rosin and fresh frozen and all that stuff, it's super hype and popular and, and people equate that with quality. What yep. I'm saying is that as the consumers evolve and, and, and more education out there, people will see that it's just different styles. And yep. you might the other and but just because once something's fresh frozen or something's live resin doesn't necessarily make it superior to a cured product you know absolutely i think i think that's one of some of the def, definitely some of the misconstrued parts of the whole cured resin live resin rosin all of that is that people think that the live the living version of it in, is in some way better and i think it's because they associate cost to better right at the end of the day yeah I um, so you know and, and it, it's also it's it's been just hard like I, 
what what you kind of find in sales and, and in marketing and stuff in the cannabis industry is that it's kind of easier to go along with somebody's misconception than to try mm-hmm. and that they're wrong. Yeah. You know? And and also what we found in, in the live resin space, the fresh rosin, a lot of companies are lying. They it's not, it's cured resin. And they're calling it live resin because the, the consumer that has a, a, a higher value to them. Yeah. So, so it's 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 tough because you don't know whether you should spend your time sort of educating and trying to convince people, you know, of, of the facts of the case, or if you should just get them a product that they like and let them keep their own, you know, perception about it. Yeah, like, absolutely. Man, shout out to all the bud tenders telling freaking false information to everybody. Gotta love, gotta love that, man. Bud tenders, get your education on. We need y'all to get your education rocking. We need you guys to be able to talk about all these different products. It's imperative. Please, please, please go check out Top Tender. Go check out MJ Institute. Check out the Ganjie program, G-A-N-J-I-E-R. Look at all these different programs. Please invest in some education. Request something from your manager. Dave, let me let me ask a few more questions about um, <clears throat> about this th- this next this next kind of section of the podcast. We got about ten to twelve minutes left. This next section of the podcast, I really wanted to talk about um, the power of like social networking. How you kind of have built this network in cannabis. How like getting into cannabis and kind of the, the whole the whole kind of story of um, how you fell into cannabis, the small journey, the long journey. However, however deep you want to go into it, and then I have just—I see you every day on social media, so I'm—I'm I'm sure that that's intertwined at some point, oh, sure. whether it's 15 years ago or, or three years ago when we first met. So I, I'm just not sure. Yeah. So I was a television producer uh, who was unemployed. Um, a lot of the television work at that time, it, I was doing low-budget cable shows and had gone to other states for for tax rebates and stuff like. That. So I was an unemployed television producer, and I had some data from one of my jobs. Uh, from this NBC thing, they were trying to do like a YouTube thing. So we had all this user data. And at the time it was like, all, all people wanted to see on the internet was porn, kitty cats, and like girls blogging. And I was like, well, I don't got any of that, you know, access to much of that stuff, but I can get some of the best weed in the world right down the street at all the shops in LA. And so I was like, oh, I'll do a weed report. And started doing the weed report on YouTube. Did that, uh, that caught on because I, I was one of the first people to use my real name. Everyone was like Stoner Monkey 95. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I was Dave Warden, and I realized that Jack Herrera had gotten famous partly because he'd used his real name. That was yeah. a ballsy move. You know what I mean? And it was still kind of edgy at the time. It was against the grain for that era. For really? Sure. You weren't supposed to, you know, let people know who you were or where you were. Um, but I was so small time. It wasn't like I had a grow house or anything. I had an ate the weed. You know what I yeah. mean? Concentrates. Um, started doing that, that led to a bud tending job. Um, and in six months I was managing two dispensaries. I would go into it. So that the weed report was on YouTube. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> book was big time and all this stuff and, and just sort of built off that. And that people were watching these videos and being like, I want to see this guy's store, or I want to bring some of mine to this dude and see what he thinks. Yeah. And some dispensaries started getting traction. I would do their in-house strains and they would get more business. So people started paying me to do these videos and do these reviews and stuff like that. And then that just, yeah, yeah. So you know how that, that art goes and then started creating brands. Like there were no, there were no brands. It was all just a shop with jars full of weed and hash. And 
brands. And, and so we started seeing that the branded stuff was selling for more because people could identify it. I want that. I heard that was good. I want that. Do you have that? So we started getting all these brands in and then creating our own brands. Um, and we, we had the shops that we controlled. That we, like I said earlier, we could just put a brand out and see if people You like could it. test. Yeah, you could yeah. test anything on the market in real time. By the afternoon, it could be gone. And so got got really lucky that I was sort of there for that period of time. Like it was the growth of branding and cannabis and stuff that in other product categories they take for granted. We were never had never been done before. So that, you know, and had some success with the brands, got really lucky as far as having access to crazy, crazy bomb stuff. And that's sort of like how my reputation got built is that I always people were bringing me all this amazing stuff and uh, just being able to talk about it. Everybody else would just sort of give really basic descriptions, whereas I would go inside the buzz. I feel like this. I'm feeling it here. It makes me want to do this. I would smoke this at this time of day. And then nobody really had concentrates. So we, I believe, were the first dispensary in the world to have over 100 types of concentrate. Like, Because people would have like a wax, a water hash, and some keef, whereas we would have 20, 25 of each. You know what I mean? And then yeah, yeah, yeah. you went out of your way to really yeah. offer the full spread. You know, the, the reality was it wasn't my money and they left me in charge of these stores. So I was just like, hey, let's buy this stuff. And the fact that it was selling. And at one point I realized, hey, if we want to sell more, we need to buy more and focused on the buying part of it. Get, you know, like like the sourcing and getting Grow the a curation. You had to yeah, curate yeah. at a higher level. And that way we were able to get foot traffic and volume to support a wide a wide array of products and you know there were brands coming out of colorado at the time like bang and open and stuff like that and these california guys like i want to see how mine stacks up to theirs and we would let people drag race against these colorado brands yeah. you know they could come in and i was like dude i'll give you a, a couple feet of display i'll put you right next to bang i'll put you right next to open let's see how it goes yeah in those days it was a lot easier because if something didn't sell you could just give it back it's not really that easy anymore the retailers are very cautious about adding something because it's really on them to make sure it sells. Um, but in those days, you, you, we just we could try everything. We could experiment. We had that flexibility. That's so that's super cool. Yeah, and so that just evolved. Started doing brands, got into branding and operations, and then you know have just been on this journey. You know, just kind of trying to stay at the front of it. You know, what I mean? what's the new thing? So literally from the beginning, one of the original social media YouTube users for cannabis got you a job, got you the ability to have major impact on that job, that entry level job, got you to move up in that world, in that ecosystem. And you call it, the, you call it an arc. It's literally an arc. You're literally had a, you started doing content. You did it consistently. It was about the right stuff at the right time. You did it in the right way. You were different and you did it authentically with your real name. Right. Right. Man, that's so I mean, inspiring. It really is a textbook example of of, of the, the use of social media and uh, crazy. You know, but it's not crazy. It's fucking cool. Right, right. It, it just it was something that was never available before. And now people have all this access. The hard part of it now is that there is a lot of content. So you do have to you, you got to be even more persistent. And you got to find something different. Like if everybody's going one way, try going the opposite way. It's easier yeah. to find out when you're doing something different or go at a right angle to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, See, I'm one of the only people that does weed on LinkedIn. It's the same thing for you. 
the way it, I look, I literally, I literally was like, damn, YouTube is so saturated. So saturated. Uh, and, and the LinkedIn platform was, you know, I, I got into that just at, at the right time, you know, got started it years ago for television. Didn't, mm -hmm. didn't touch it for like nine or 10 years and then came back right as the cannabis people sort of found it and they weren't deleting that content. And I've yeah. literally gone on there and sold packs. Hey, here's this weed right here. I can get it to you for a really good price. Hit me up. And people were really blown away by that. But it's like, hey, this is legal. We're doing this in a legal context. Like, this is what this looks like. And now you see people, giant jars of concentrate, uh, warehouses. The stir shots, the warehouses. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. One of my first one of my first photos that ever went like, now viral on LinkedIn is relative because I'm not an influencer on there with like 50, 60, 70,000 people. You know, I'm not a Gary Vee on there. Uh, or like a record label executive or a TV executive person. But one of my posts, you know, three, 400, 500 likes, that shit was a, it was a photo of me standing on a ladder in a grow room in, in Spokane, Washington, and it was the R&D. So half the, row, half the room was regular, and the other, the back half had the, the different kinds of full spectrum LEDs, you know, the blue and the oranges and shit. And, and this was three years ago. No one was seeing shit like that on LinkedIn. You know, and so I just kept hitting him with all these photos that I had done over two years in 2017 and 18. No one was posting photos like that on there. No one. And then and then we I think you and I spoke about it, uh, about me getting into the, the weed reviews. Uh, we were doing articles. Everybody already does articles, but nobody was doing articles with the videos. Right. Right. And it's just, you know, it's a it's a persistence game. Crazy, and, and and really, people can tell if if you're really into something or not, and you know, you come at it like you said, be authentic and be persistent. That that's the main thing. And and if you particularly like something, show people what you like, and and, and when they pick up on that energy and your passion, yeah, that gives that authenticity, and then people can trust you, and then they care about what you have to say. Uh, but it, it's definitely. While it is a lot of noise and a lot of content out there, there's also a lot of access and there's also a lot of new channels to do it on. So like, I definitely tell people like, if, if in any industry right now, you need to do social media, you need to get comfortable with it and figure out what your niche is, you know? And, and I think with you standing here right now, you're people, you there's the brand of Dave Ward and people know who you are. You're a figure in the industry here, obviously at this point, but, you operate your marketing and your social media in a way that's unique and different from how brands operate. And the way that you do it, honestly, is more effective in my opinion, because of you prioritizing LinkedIn over other things. What most of these companies forget, while, so first off, for people that are watching, these, these cannabis companies get deleted all the time on Instagram, right? That, that's a known, it's a known fact. And then they go on LinkedIn and they complain and they whine and they ask for help, right? It happens every time. We, we got deleted too. Right, we, it happens to us. We're on our second account. I've lost two personal accounts that have both been at 10K. Like, it's a thing. The difference is though, is what are you gonna do to pivot? And instead of you, you, you look at the market and instead of going on Instagram and selling packs on Instagram or trying to get customers to come to your store, whatever it is, here you are on LinkedIn and here you are becoming the chief revenue officer for the most awarded Cannabis Cup winning brand and you dominate LinkedIn. You don't dominate Instagram. You don't dominate Facebook. You're on these places. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's. You're right. I I, I found the the place where where I is a good forum for me and where my message was being received 
by by a group of people who mattered. You know what I mean? Like in in my particular segment, you know. Um, and and so like, there's a vibe. Every social media platform has a vibe. You know what I mean? And and, and the vibe I was putting out matched the frequency of sort of what people wanted to hear on LinkedIn. And and I think that like part of it, you know, I delete a lot of my posts. I, I really do uh, because people like, like we we're talking earlier about the misconceptions and stuff. People don't want to find out that the world isn't flat. People don't want to find out, you know what I mean? And you, and you and sometimes when you challenge those conceptions that it people get, uh, can't hear your message anymore. So figuring out sort of how to keep that going. Um, There's a balance. There's a balance of that for sure absolutely a balance and, and i delete more stuff than i post um because a lot of it is just too much truth like you wouldn't mind it <laughs> but if I, I go in, i go into social media knowing that half the world has no clue what, what i'm talking about and the other half knows more than me and then that's 100 percent. i'll say that another half of the world is has what's it's a, it's a famous quote has no fucking clue what's even going on so it's like they just play video games and go to work and you know and do whatever and like that's fine like live live the life but we we're out here grinding and we can't help but pay attention to where the messages are received or where the content is performing better or the algorithm or whatever's happening i've seen numerous of your posts go crazy and so to anybody that watches this make sure you guys go at dave warden connect with him on on linkedin don't come at him with no bullshit. don't come at him asking for free consulting engage with his post like comment soak up the free game there's tons of it look at his connections it's all super valuable uh dave the last question i have before I, i'm gonna try to make this a consistent thing but i want to hear about your first time smoking and what what convinced you what was that what was it that got you to do it uh you know we we were bored uh you know suburban virginia um and i was 15 years old and and we got kicked out of a camping ground for drinking and we couldn't go home we didn't want our parents to know that we got kicked off this camping ground and somebody gave my brother a joint and he let me and my buddy try it we were 15 and it was just like seeing behind the curtain for the first time man it's it's like wait this is amazing i felt so alive and I felt like I'd never felt before, and I was upbeat and happy. And I was like, if they're keeping this from us, what else are they keeping from us? And it, it was about, the weed was the vehicle, but it really just taught me to question everything. You know what I mean? Like, like what are they, what am I being told? What, what's, what's society saying that, that, that might be a lie as well? You know, are they mm -hmm. looking about everything? And so for me, that's what it was. I mean, I just remember being, it was like, my face was pushing out with tingles and I felt like my soul was bubbling out through my eyes and it was, it was glorious. It was it. obviously it completely changed the direction of my life. And now it's, it's I literally, it's like I'm made of weed now. You know, I, I, I do it for work. Dave Warden equals one full cannabinoid. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I do it for work. I, you know, here we are on a Sunday with my homies, a lot of my relationships are based around this plant, a lot of my friendships, and it's I'm, I'm holistically in, like it changed my life that much. And from 15 till now, um, pretty much have just been a, a daily user of cannabis. And and honestly, it's, it's definitely uh, improved my life in a lot of different ways, you know what I mean? It is, it is my substance, it is my mana from heaven. Beautiful. Well, Dave, man, I really appreciate you being on here today. Thank you so much for sharing Thanks all for the game, me. for sharing some insights into your life and all that. I, I very much appreciate it. Um, 
it's an honor to, to be a friend of yours and to be able to, you know, sit next to you and smoke good whenever I go feel, you know, nervous about being around all these rich people and cannabis and shit. So I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, love what you guys are doing and uh, much love, homie. We will have you back on later this year. We are going until uh, until December. So I'll definitely have to touch base with you here after Croptober. Maybe you can give people a good perspective on uh, what's happening in real time here over the next two months. So, All right, brother. Everybody, this is the North American Weed Tour podcast. This is episode 21, Dave Warden, C, Chief Re Revenue Officer at Ascension Labs and Gold Drop. Please be sure to follow them, tap in on all social media, search for them on Google, search for them on YouTube. I reviewed a bunch of their products. It is all terpy. It is all good. I can co-sign and confirm it. I love it. They are a creator of vehicles that deliver terpene excellence. So Dave, thank you so much, everybody. I'll see you on the next episode. Have a good night. Appreciate y'all. Peace.